I don't know, are we? Hello. Great. Give me hello, hello. Hello, pe people of this floating orb. People. And welcome to the uh, the show where we watch uh, oily men with the sweating and the, and the grabbing. I and thought it was just. I thought it was just natural. Are no, we oiling unless we them get the now? women wrestlers. Oh. They scare me. You don't like the women? They make scared. me scared. They, and are, they are much taller they than you They make me are. discomforted. Much taller. The willow would, could eat me. She is oh, so much bigger than me. I am so petite. You. you can be a friend of the willow. It's true. She would not marinate me like my mother did. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to Wanna Watch AEW, where we ask, Hey, 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 you break that hold. One, hey. two, three. Yeah, you know ah, that you ah, know there's ah, a rope break in a rope? street fight. Where's the rope? You know there's a rope break in a street fight. Yeah, are you putting the rope around you, my what neck? What do you think this is, a no-DQ match? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, as you can tell, this week's episode was... You know, normally, normally on like when a new show debuts, uh -huh. the pilot because they have to work on it so hard sure. to pitch it to the studio, the pilot will be great, and then the second episode tends to suffer. I feel like in AEW's case, it's the third episode where we finally hit some like massive growing pains. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the main event. I mean, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here with with the growing pains talk uh, because sure, you know what, sure, we're at the right. beginning. And it is October 16th, 2019. I'm yes. Callie. I'm Raman. So we are, yes, in Philadelphia. Once again, episode... Born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> you, you haven't even been to fucking I Philadelphia. Know, I have literally <laughs> never been to that side of the world. But uh, we're there in spirit as AEW uh, beams into our homes. But before we get into the episode, Rom, run us through BTE. Yeah, BTE recap. This week's was a pretty funny episode. It was uh, fairly storyline light, I would say. There is a storyline going on uh, in BTE because Jericho at the time had a cruise, the Jericho cruise. Mm. I think this was the second year of the cruise. I can't quite remember. I think and, it started 2017. Okay, so it might be the third year of it. And the Bucks were teaming with Jericho against... Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Kenny and Cody and, and Hangman. Okay. Um, and so the episode of BTE, which is called California Love, opens with <laughs> Kenny going into their into the Bucks locker room. The Bucks are wearing these Argyle scarves that say Bucks of Jericho on them. Oh, boy. And uh, because they're tagging with Jericho. Of and, course. And Kenny and Cody give the Bucks shit for this. I can't, uh, I, I also just, like, I can't imagine how gross that cruise must have been. Because, like, regular cruises... That like have real money behind them are gross. Oh, I guess it was. It would have been 2018. The a Rock wrestler? and Wrestling yeah. Rager at Sea. Yeah, a wrestler's uh, cruise. How gross would that be? I, I would I'd go. Love... No, no. I mean, I wouldn't pay money to go, but I if someone get... was like, "Hey, you want to go with me?" Fuck yeah, I like, would. The like, best opportunity like... to get an STI without sex. 
Oh Jesus! Would be this crazy. Don't don't like. perpetuate the you can get stuff from bathroom toilet. No, myth. no, that's I, how that's how the women's washrooms have piss all over the seats. It's because all the women are too scared to sit on the toilet seat. You can you, you can sit on the toilet seat. You know, it's a lot easier when you stand to aim. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later, actually, because in this BTE. So, uh, <laughs> Shit. yeah, so the beginning of this episode is a lot about uh, Cody and Kenny getting in the face of Bucks and Jericho about the scarves. Jericho says that uh, you can talk shit about my dad and my blue suede shoes. I guess that's a reference to Honky Tonk Man. But uh, <laughs> you can't you can't make fun of these scarves, which were made by a fan in Nepal by with rare pejmina. And then Kenny says, no way, they were made by an employee at the dollar store. To which Cody turns to him and goes, high fives him and goes, good one, bro. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not, they're not going to say it was slave labor, but. I love it. Know. No, they were definitely made from like a print shop. Like it like, did not look. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of the rest of the episode is actually um, the bucks because a lot of BTE is skits. And then in between the skits are actual vlogging. Okay. And so they'll they vlog. So they like it's like a day in life sort of yeah, situation. Yeah, as they move from place to place for the show. Interesting. What yeah. So they about? so uh, this episode they show up in California in their hotel and in the lobby is SCU and right. SCU is talking about how much they love Southern California and the Bucks are like oh interesting and so they they we go into different skits of SCU trying to tell the Bucks how much they love uh socal in like the least appropriate ways sure so sky tries to force them to take him to roscoe's chicken and waffles which is a california chain That's, i guess yeah <clears throat> i've heard of roscoe's they have good drag shows there. uh we uh, here at w i'd go for chicken and waffles <laughs> we here at want to watch AEW fully support chicken and waffles oh fuck yeah we do uh daniels then bugs matt at the urinal more evidence to support why i never use them <laughs> I thought you said standing and peeing. Makes it easier to aim. It doesn't mean that I like oh, doing it. Oh, okay. So you'll just do it when you need to aim. But <laughs> yeah, like but like times. realistically, why wouldn't you just sit? Uh, he show and then we are talking about pee a disproportionate amount in, in this, this episode. Yes. We are like what four minutes. <laughs> so in? Daniel's Daniel's bugs Matt at the urinal, espousing the joys of Universal Studios in Hollywood. Okay. He then shows up in the back of their car on their drive to another place, telling them about Pantages. What? I don't know what that is. Okay. Uh, Scorpio Sky starts talking about how much he loves the Lakers. I know that. That's a California thing. Yes. And then we cut back to Nick and Scorpio doing pull-ups way too close to each other, like kissing distance. <laughs> uh, as Scorp tells him, talks endlessly about all of LA sports teams. Uh, Callie is disgusted with Scorp listing the Dodgers last, to which I responded, who are the Dodgers? Yeah, I think you were just joking No, about I actually that. did not know. You knew the Dodgers were an MLB team. No, I had no idea. All right, well, they're, they're a solid MLB team. As someone who casually watches mm -hmm. MLB yes, and you're... only cheers for the Jays, but also needs another team to cheer for on the West Coast. You got a real like sweaty balls like tone when you're talking. Sweaty ball. When you're talking Should about I, baseball, I... you're just like, oh, it's such a wonderful sport. <laughs> I really enjoy watching it and being exhilarated. Oh my god! By, All right, I'm not talking about baseball active, anymore. Active activity baseball is sportings. Yes, um, we. <laughs> <laughs> Warnings. BT is too silly for I know. me. Cali right. So Kaz interrupts. We have a wrestling show yes, to get yes, to. Yes, yes, Well, let me get to Cut it. Cut the wild <laughs> shit here. Uh, Kaz interrupts Matt's shower to inform him that Metallica, you know, that band that popularized downloading music by being giant narcs. Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. Formed in California in 1981 and played their first show in Radio City in Anaheim. Oh. Then he says, I see you, and then runs away. <laughs> well, there's a uh, today I learned. So then all this culminates back at the lobby 
where the Bucks tell them how impressed they are with all the facts they've learned about the Bucks' hometown of SoCal. SCU is shocked by this, despite the Bucks being announced from SoCal every week. Yeah. Uh, then we get a reversal where SCU are at signing are at a uh, fan signing, and Matt comes up behind them and starts just listing places in Southern California. Like Venice Beach. Uh, he just says it. Yeah, he's just running up and yeah. says, like, places. We get a shot of Daniels going to bed in his hotel, but then Matt turns the lights back on to tell him in a creepy tone that recreational drugs are legal in California, Ooh. if you're into that kind of Everybody thing. Everybody want to visit for the women, weed, and weather. Women, Definitely not the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> the episode of BT ends on the Bucks in their locker room where they hear a clock ticking. They both look at their phones and then give each other a knowing glance, but we are not privy to what the countdown is yet. Oh. Yes. So it ends on a mysterious note. Yes. And I think uh, this was the first or second week of the countdown. I can't remember. Okay. Okay. Well, so, thank you for that BTE recap because I don't want to watch it. It seems no. far too silly it's, for my taste. Too silly. Too silly. Much too silly. Far too silly. Far too silly. So then we are back in Philadelphia, and there is a hot opening as SCU yes. comes out uh, for the tag team tournament match against the best friends. Uh, Kazarian and Daniels make their way down the ramp, but then they are attacked from behind by the Lucha Bros. Oh, no. Um, they have their own tourney match later in the yes, night. Yes, they do, but they beefed with best friends last week Yes, in the promo segment. Uh, Penta hits Daniels with a blessedly very safe pile driver on the ramp, <laughs> protects the old man. Mm -hmm. Scorp then runs down to save his partners and calls for the medics. Daniels gets carried out by the medics, and my boy Scorpio Sky oh, takes his place. Wow! So SCU here very clearly the underdogs now in this tag match with the less experienced but ever handsome Scorpio Sky. It's true. So, and I also like I also like the the kind of kayfabe of this where last week Scorp very graciously said no i want these two veterans to, to show sure. them what we can can do and then this week daniels in in shoot is like no no let's put you front and center he's yeah but right? in kayfabe he's, he's forced injured. to step up yeah and i really love that i think yeah, that's really it is, nice it is great yeah, um, it's a great sentiment for the but the match starts with kazarian for scu uh the best friends get an early pinfall attempt on him First rule of cool comes really early in this episode. Oh uh, Scorpio, we're still doing this, huh? Oh fuck yeah, we are. Oh boy, come on. Um, you, you think we're just gonna not talk about the terrible <laughs> rapping by is this calling a no it... DQ match? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, this isn't a Philadelphia street fight right, yet. Right. Don't just you wait. Very rule following in Philadelphia. Just you wait. Yeah. Uh, but first rule of cool: Scorpio skies hit with a suplex, and then Chuck Taylor bites Scorpio's foot. I did not see this. Yeah, no DQ for that. So. He literally well, just bit him in the foot? Well, because Scorpio Scorpio Sky wasn't prepared to wrestle, right? right? I forgot so, about this. Yeah. Yeah. Scorp, he's, they were, well, I, they're selling how Scorp's unprepared to wrestle because yeah. uh, he's wrestling with one street shoe. I don't know where the other shoe went. Yeah, I don't and know either. And like, even with one shoe on, he's still nailing drop kicks perfectly. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Um, as I was taking notes, Kaz hits a springboard Hurricane Rana to the outside on Chuck. Outstanding. Kaz like does not look like he has the shape of that type of wrestler that he actually sure, is. Sure, yeah. Not to be outdone though, Scorp hits a tope con hero. Who and yeah, the crowd gives him a standing ovation here as he takes off his remaining shoe and throws it into the crowd. I actually so we I think we thought it was in the crowd, but it was actually like to the side and I think the ref threw it back in. I don't know what yeah, Something I don't know happened. who threw it back into the <laughs> But JR pops for it too. I I love that. Yeah. 
fans are starting to fall in love with Scofield Scott. This is one hell of a performance. He got his shoe back. He got his shoe back. He ran the Scofield shoe. Trent takes a two-man tornado DDT. It looked fucking cool to me. Amazing, yeah. Uh, and this crowd is as into Scorpio Sky as we both are right now. Um, he also gets a lovely shoulder block tackle. In my notes, I wrote pretty and so agile here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you helped me with the wrestling move, though, because I was like, ooh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, totally. And it's funny because the simple move like that, and you're like, how? what do I call this? Yeah. Um, so far, this match has been a spotlight for STU, obviously. The best friends are not really getting a lot of uh, offense, and they're really here to take some admittedly outstanding moves from SU. Kaz mm. hits a springboard leg drop and a springboard her and Karana, followed by Scorpio's tope, and then they do some tandem moves. Yeah, and, and the springboard ones look so cool to Agreed. Me. And it's, though I do find it interesting that, like, I guess Daniels took the brunt of the opening beatdown, but, like, sure. Kaz isn't all that injured from this either, so it's it's just funny that, like, it didn't really help the best friends. The beatdown did not much. Yeah. Do much for the best well, friends. I mean, the Lucha Bros were just like, "We're here to, we're here to do this." <laughs> sure. That said, Kaz is still selling the beatdown while Scorp seems fresh. Kaz gets caught by a soul food half and half combo by the best friends. Mm-hmm. A really cool. Uh, best friends have some amazing tandem moves, I will say. Yeah, they are really cool for a tag team. The best friends go for their signature hug, but Scorp interferes. Yeah, he ain't having these hugs. <laughs> Fuck these hugs. Because <laughs> yeah. Kaz can't recover, Scorp gets double teamed with a sexy Chucky knee. To which Shivani says, "Yikes!" <laughs> to the to the name of it, I don't know, but it was great time. <laughs> Shivani's a Christian man. He yeah. doesn't say sexy Chucky. Yikes! <laughs> it's yikes! Oh my god! <laughs> Kaz gets hit with a doomsday knee off the top, but kicks out at two point nine. Oh. Jr. and I were both convinced yeah, that was it. It was really close. Yeah. Sky saves Kaz again from taking a pile driver on the apron. This lets Kaz drop Trent right onto the apron. Always seems like it hurts. Yeah, it looked like it did. For yeah. Sure. Unfortunately, the finish of this match is kind of ugly, and this is where I'm getting into like, there are some growing, growing pains. Growing pains. Yeah. SU SU hit Trent with an attempted power bomb drop kick combo, but unfortunately, neither of them are like Adam Cole or Seth Rollins. <laughs> so Scorp's drop kick just looked like it was like mistimed pump kick. Like by the time he went to jump for the drop kick, his head was already on the ground. Yeah, it was a little late. Yeah. Either way, SU gets the well-deserved victory, and JR says of Scorpio Sky, did we just see a starboard tonight here in Philly? No, but we should have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we did. I think it was a pretty good match. Um, you know, it did showcase Scorpio a little bit. SU milked their exit. Um, I think commentary vamps to make up for the little time before the commercial obligation. Yeah, yeah, it was a short match. I don't think it really spotlighted the best friends so much. Like, they've been getting a lot of TV time, but they haven't been getting a lot of great output yeah. from that, I feel like. Yeah, um, whereas, Slow burn. Yeah, which, on the one hand, you know, best Trent and Chuck have been wrestling forever. They're popular in Japan. Like, they're not nobodies. Oh, absolutely. So, so them giving this to SU, you know, I'm sure it doesn't bother them, really. But it's just interesting from a booking perspective that, like, the SU got a beatdown from the beginning of this match, and they looked way better than best friends by the end. So yeah. it's just interesting yeah no it's good um in a, looking strong yeah. going into the tag tourney and scorp man i that guy i really like want him on tv sure. now it's killing me yeah in another moment that made me feel very validated for doing this podcast santana and ortiz are shown backstage mugging for the camera as they walk to the <laughs> ring i cannot wait for them to fight mm-hmm. um match number two. two alex reynolds and john silver not 
of the Dark Order. No, they are so weird. I did not know yeah, they ever even you, arrived. To you, I was like, uh, who? Yeah, I and had you no were idea. Like, oh my god, they're not in coming out to Dark Order yeah, music. They're the only two, <laughs> two. They're two of the three remaining Dark Order guys. Yeah, and they are facing Santana Dennis. and Ortiz. Yeah. Um, during the fight TV commercial break, because we have to, uh, because we're in Canada, we kind of have to get our episodes from the very le- legal DVD shop. So uh, we get access to some of the Fight TV ca- uh, commercial programming. So during the Fight TV break, Silver and Reynolds come out to their entrance, not to Dark Order music. They came out to Dynamite commercial interstitial music. They didn't even have their own music. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of came out like very unceremoniously. <laughs> um, so it's like it's like they were they'd signed a contract to be in the Dark Order, and Creative hadn't figured out their outfits yet. It was weird. <laughs> you were almost there. I know. Silver <laughs> is such a tiny guy for how many abs he has. By the way, <laughs> like he is so t- he's like if George Costanza worked out. You know what I mean? Like what? if what, George just was he's just very stout, he's tiny and yeah. so square. He looks like a, a human dwarf, like Lord of the Rings dwarf. I, like no. not in a bad way. It's like he's his. Zeke is just awesome. Like, it's crazy to me. Yeah, he's very ripped. And yet he's so agile. JR starts talking about how the inner circle is a term the boys need to get over, not realizing that they're still live on Fight TV. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, was that not meant to be? No, no. No, that was him reading. That's because there's a giant quiet break. And then you hear some pages shuffling. And JR goes, (laughs) inner circle, boys. That's a term you're going to have to get over. Remember, they're members of the inner circle. The inner circle's a new term we need to get over. With me? Yeah, we'll be, we can all tell all that shit you want, I promise you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry everybody out there in the world. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on Fight TV. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and, then, and then I think Shivani said something, but it's really funny yeah. because there's a very classic JR promo from interviewing Psycho Sid. And okay. Sid forgets his line and thinks he's doing a promo. And he's like, hold on, I'll start again. And JR just looks at him and goes, we're live, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no starting yeah, over. I mean, yeah. you can and then, do that now, and then but like, we're not. In my brain, I was just like, we're live, pal. <laughs> <laughs> JR quoting JR. <laughs> It was very meta. It was delightful. Oh, that's good. Um, But I think once we get back from commercial obligation, Santana and Ortiz come out. I am very excited about these guys. Sorry, Reynolds and Silver. Oh, dark, absolutely. Dark so who. was I. If I, if, if I, like in 2019, I probably didn't give a shit about who they were. Right? That's probably why I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Uh, 2019, Ramen was so into Proud and Powerful. I still... Like, I do think it's a tragedy that they're not a tag team anymore. Um, I love the name. I love the music. I love their attitude. Just a couple of beige boys beating bitches up. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with all of this. Yeah. Uh, they're from the streets. It feels real to me, yeah. damn it. Um, and I can't wait to do a little deep dive and learn about these guys, especially with the shoot heat in 2023. Um, but that will be probably on a near future episode. Yeah, I think uh, there will be some opportunities, especially once we get into, like, um, stadium stampedes and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you've you've told you foretold of these awesome matches. Yeah. So I think that's when we might stick those in there. Uh, Excalibur says Jericho wanted them in the inner circle because they have no morals. They're nasty, violent, fearless, and defiant. Love it. Yeah. Beautiful. All of those things. Um, we start the match with Silver and Santana. 
Silver flexes his tiny little guns. Oh my god. <laughs> or no, not tiny, just short. Yeah, I don't think you need to be body shaming wrestling. I'm not body really. shaming him. I love his body. His like honestly, John Silver's body is fucking. Well, you amazing. don't need to love body. <laughs> I can love his body. Yeah, that's fair. A homophobe. What's happening? I'm not. No, I was just saying you swung from like <laughs> critiquing the pendulum. Yeah, from, I wasn't like, critiquing. I was simply okay. observing. All right, all right, all right. The other one who got made it. You called them tiny little arms. And then I retra I retracted. All right. I'm gonna cut all of them. So. You should. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's the gold open. Silver flexes on Santana with his amazing little arms and gets a big enziguri for his trouble. Yes, and Proud and Powerful do some tandem sequences. Ortiz powerbombs Silver and then lifts him into a thrust kick from Santana. So awesome. Yes, and as Ortiz works on Silver, I am really captivated by his outfit. Yeah, Cal we you and I both thought he was wrestling with like a big fanny pack yeah and then we just realized it's because one of his overall hooks was unhooked yeah like it was a merce at first and then we're like no these are coveralls oh, Mertz. and it <laughs> Would made you like it vasa or moose <laughs> <laughs> um but it made it much more interesting to me because i thought it was like it had a little too like drug dealer fucking yeah it did look like a, it's me. like listen bro after i beat your ass and give you some perks <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, as we analyze his outfit, Ortiz does some devastating back rakes before Proud and Powerful hit a street sweeper, which is a powerbomb blockbuster combo. Looked fucking awesome. Yeah, this was a really quick match to feature Proud and Powerful. I don't think um, Reynolds was even on camera. <laughs> yeah, I think he took a knock and then just went Yeah, inside. he just rolled off. Yeah. Um, you know, Santana and Ortiz are looking strong as fuck here. Um, I also took this opportunity to listen to the original theme song that's playing and um, what we hearing in 2019 is not their current AEW theme song. So the song that they're using in 2019 is called Proud and Powerful by Bodega Bams, who is a Puerto Rican rapper based out of New York City. I love that you're doing this. Yeah, I this for more for more of them. I yeah. actually I do. Well, because I liked this song so much. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a fucking banger. I like this song better and than music the is such a part of wrestling. Yeah, I like this song better than the theme song they used before they broke up. Um, shout out to Mikey Ruckus, of course, who I presume wrote their current theme song. He's the head music producer at AEW. But it sounds like what happened here is why they had switched their from their original theme song that they have in 2019 to a Mikey Ruckus original in 2021 is because Bodega Bams had posted their entrance music on his Spotify or social media platforms, um, which fair enough, because I think it's a fucking badass sure. song. But that meant that any AEW content on YouTube, like the dark shows uh, that featured the song, would get flagged and taken down. Oh. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe yeah, AEW weird. found it less expensive to use their in-house music team to then pay out Bodega Bams for his song. Uh, but either way, the 2019 entrance music is far superior to me. And now you know the rest of the story. Never mind that shit. After getting the pin from the street sweeper, the GOAT, Chris Jericho, is on the Megatron as Proud and Powerful walk up the ramp. He congratulates his boys, calling them pit bulls among pit bulls, who will pick your pockets and kick your ass. So because, true. you know, pit bulls are notorious for pickpocketers. Right, right. Uh, um, they want to face the Bucks and will meet them in the ring at full gear. Do they accept Le Challenge from Le Champion? Well, fuck yeah. While Jericho cuts his promo, you can hear Ortiz on the ramp repeatedly chanting, The best! The best! Yeah. The best! 
We're the best. Except the challenge, but we're boys. the tag team. You do a lot of flips. You do a lot of flying. You're one of the most incredible, most spectacular tag teams I've ever seen in my life. But you've never, ever been in a fight like this before. Santana, Ortiz versus the Young Bucks. November 9th at full gear. Do you accept the challenge? <laughs> it was pretty hype. And then we cut to a promo at the Rhodes residence. Yeah, so we see Cody sitting at the kitchen table, and then Brandy comes towards him with, it looks like an agenda book, mm. saying like, you know, you have this meeting at this time, and another thing at this thing, and a photo shoot here, and telling him kind of his itinerary. Sure. But Cody is just completely blank and distracted. Yeah. Um, isn't really focusing on uh, on this. Um, he completely ignores her when he she starts talking about her uh, kitchen YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> which I don't know if you know about. We, we should talk no, about that one day. No, yeah. but he's really inside of himself. Yes, he's really inside of himself. He stands up and gives her a kiss on the cheek and says, sure, and then just walks away. Yeah. Um, you know, I always thought that Cody got a little too much flack for um, the way AEW presented him. Mm. And okay. the, when we walk look back on it now, I think I can kind of understand why. And it, it's a weird. I know it's a little. It's a little much to say that after just this promo. Sure, but like, <clears> tell me, tell me why this is your opinion? Because I even watching this promo, I have an opinion on this okay. on this promo. So tell me what you think about this first. So my <clears throat> my thing is um, the way the way Cody's been presented uh, so far is in two ways, in my opinion. One is when he's coming to the ring, he gets them. He's the only guy with the middle entrance, no heel, no face, right? Which for his indie character makes sense because he was heel and face whenever it was convenient for him. Um, but as a as the John Cena-esque figure of your show, which sure. is what they want to clearly the big guy. position him as the main face of the company, um, which personally I think it should have been Kenny, but whatever. <laughs> Because you Cody, would think that. Well, and, well, no, because, no, not Kenny. I don't mean it like that. I, like, even Hangman. Cody is not a pure face. Right uh-huh. in the in his wrestling history. Oh, okay. And so, so you're talking about like the pure like baby face. Yeah, of the company they're they're presenting of. him as this like pure white meat baby face in in that way, except for when he comes into the ring. <clears throat> but when he's out of the ring, they present him in this thirty for thirty style ESPN documentary type thing. Yeah, and like, why do you think that's a little much? I don't think the style is much. I think it doesn't. I I never saw Cody as that guy. Yeah, I never because... saw Cody as. As my face, as my hero, right. that kind of thing. And the way they present him is very much like, here's this guy who has the world on his shoulders and the whole company is riding on him and everything depends on this match with Jericho. And if he doesn't do that, then what? Like, it's just it's a just, match. Right? It is like, really. Yeah, I see what you're saying, where it's a little bit heavy. Yes. And it's a lot. Because you're not doing that equally for Jericho. Right? Yeah. Jericho's just going around being like, I got me and my boys and my title. I don't give a fuck about <laughs> well, Cody. Well, because this promo, this promo, okay, and this was kind of what I thought of this promo, is it's very, like, you get this, like, wistful piano. That's what I'm saying. Documentary style. Again, you mentioned the the 30 for 30 yeah. um, ESPN reference. And I, you know me, I love documentaries. Sure. Um, but, you know, we have this, like, existential sort of vibe to it. And the fact that we don't hear from Cody himself, you know, the story in this promo is being told to us by 
the people around mm. him, his wife, the Nightmare family. Uh, Which arguably from the fan base are the least liked people on the in the group. Yeah, and so there's a lot of disconnect from Cody on that on one level makes him kind of mysterious and thus intriguing, which is maybe what they could have might have been going for. If he wasn't but, so white meat. But on a human level, it disconnects the fan from the wrestler, in my opinion. I, 100%. It makes him feel like this othered, like, instead of feeling, I think what he they want to achieve is this is a guy who people love the way they love Sting. Yeah. But what they're achieving is here's a guy who is so above everyone else without having actually achieved anything. Yeah, and so, I mean, he's achieved I mean, stuff, but, sure. I mean, sorry, I don't mean it like that, but yeah, I mean, like, like <laughs> I mean, in this, I, guess, I guess from 2023 perspective, it's like, they're presenting him like he's already become the Roman Reigns that we have now. Oh, I see what you're you know saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, they are showing that Cody has many identities. You know, he's the EVP right. of the company. He's a wrestler, a husband, a son. So there's a level of relatability there. But without hearing from the man himself, I think it misses the mark. It puts Cody on a pedestal. You had noted That's that exactly the, right. the audience kind of like kind of doesn't love him as much as time goes on. Yeah. Um, like you, I think you noted it kind of chipped away at, you know, the love and understanding of the character. And I think this is kind of the starting point from it because I don't feel connected to Cody at no. all. And I I don't, think it, I don't think it ever really gets better. Yeah. Except for his feud with MJF. I remember Cody being like so over when this aired. Yeah. Though, right? Like when that's the thing about it is this is also retrospect because as we say this, when Cody is being presented right like as we're watching it, he's very over. Sure. And we knew the Nightmare family, like fans knew the Nightmare family. Mm -hmm. We believed in Cody. It's not that I don't think they should show him preparing for a title match or even put him in this position. I think they should have. But the direction of it feels like they want it to be more than what it is. Yeah. Than more than just a title match. Yeah. And it's it not isn't. really, it's not really and that. Not or if it is, if it is, I don't believe it. Because it's not for Jericho. Yeah. And there's no storyline reason for it to be for Jericho. Yeah. So anyways, both of us love to critically analyze film and media, but there's a wrestling show happening here. Which is film media. So on to the next match. Sure. Yes. Yeah. As we as we analyze media. Uh, yeah. It's a, <laughs> we do love to do the thing this podcast is. Yes. 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 Well, that's um, why we do the thing that the podcast the guess is. is. Right. Match three. Britt Baker and Riho, the champion. Mm. Britt comes out first uh, and just walks straight down the ramp before she figured out how awesome her intro sequence could become. Because uh, there's like no pyro, no any. Yeah, of it might have been a commercial that. obligation too. With sure, but now like Britt would never do that now. Sure. Her well, she's yeah. she's yeah. yeah. Um, Rio comes out. Yeah. Callie dances. My champion, looking good. She did look really good. She yeah, she looked so happy. Shivani with another great line here. I love Tony. She has a broad smile and a great personality, but when that bell rings, she has become a sensation because of her heart, her determination, and what she does in the ring. Excellent, I, I believe it. Love I fucking you. believe it. I, I, and like, Mia Culpa, I was saying this two weeks ago that like I didn't really see the crowd getting into her. They love they are, her. She's over. She's way more over Rio. than I thought she was in 2019. Yeah, Rio is over. So um, the over. crowd loves her. Yeah. The commentary also mentions that Brit has a shiner on her. She's got a big black eye, mm -hmm. which she clearly didn't tell her makeup artist to hide, which I, you know what? I, as much as like, I will critique Brit's like sloppiness from, from time to time. Sure. I have so much respect for Brit's willingness to just lean into her badass side, lean into the Absolutely. physicality of wrestling and yes. not be afraid of it. And not be scared of it. Like yeah. just cause that, but also I will note unrelated to her badass side of things or maybe semi-related her makeup 
looks great here. I love her eyeshadow. And I would like to clarify that I'm not saying that because she's a woman, because the Miz sure as fuck would not take a punch to the face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. right like i'm not saying it yeah sure but i mean it's like one of those things that like if you happen to get punched in the face and get a black eye like lean into it instead of hiding it yeah absolutely yeah that's i i like that too as the fans chant rio she does a little hop step <laughs> and it was adorable to see how happy it makes her to hear her name chanting. Yes. It's adorable. And also seeing them both in the ring at the same time, we're getting a, a very pink story yes, here true. with their gear. Britt has a pink and black eye. eye. Uh, but very vibrant, almost magenta gear going on. And then Rio has her classic, like, light pink and white. So it's almost like Brick got the memo. And <laughs> I love this coordination amongst competitors. Yeah, very good. Very good. Commentary brings up that they have never actually faced off against each other, but they have tagged together twice so far. So Britt has awareness of what Rio mm -hmm. can accomplish, and she knows that she has a bigger challenge ahead of her than you'd expect. As if to prove the point, Rio does goes for an arm drag, but Britt uses her size and strength to just force Rio down for a two count. Like, just pushes her shoulders down. Yes. Amazing. I know. And then Britt quickly counters into a Rings of Saturn submission hold, but Rio reaches the ropes before Britt's able to get the lockjaw yeah. put onto her. Um, Rio does take a moment on the apron. It's a great way to start. It shows that Britt is a contender, you know, despite her comparative inexperience to Rio, who, sure. you know, we hear has been wrestling so for half her baby. life yeah. and all that. So, so she was a zygote, <laughs> uh, <laughs> doing back bumps yeah. in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> is she kicking? No, she's bumping. Yeah, she's running the ropes. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> as much as I do like Britt here, I do feel like she's still thinking about her spots a little bit. Um, but she doesn't skimp on the ferocity. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, and then Rio matching that as well. Um, she hits a crossbody from the top, but Britt again rolls through for a pinfall attempt. Instead of kicking out, Rio does her beautiful bridge out of the pin. Um, then she hits Britt with a drop kick to the face. Crowd gives a well-deserved applause break here. Rio gives Britt a Cazadora, followed by a double stomp on the chest, mm -hmm. uh, winding Britt. She goes for the stomp from the top, but Britt rolls out of the way and follows up with her own sling blade. She then hoists Rio up and hits a TKO stunner, which surprised everyone. Yeah, you that were was, like, wow. Yeah, I didn't expect her to impressed. hit that. That was very you good. You were legit impressed yeah. when she hit that. No, I was very surprised. After some attempted roll-ups, Rio goes for an inside cradle, but Britt is like just is too strong and too tall and reverses it into just a beautiful swinging neckbreaker, yes. followed by a thrust kick straight to the face. I honestly thought he Rio got kicked in the face, <laughs> uh, but she kicks out at 2.9. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was so close. I mean, yeah. I didn't want Britt to win at this point. Cause... And then half the audience starts booing from the two count. Yeah. Which was great. I love how much Rio's support. Rio's fucking over. Well, both of them are. I like, guess that's, that's the true. thing, right? Like, that was what made me really happy. But Britt sets up for another swinging neckbreaker. But Rio counters with palm strikes, followed by a gorgeous Whoa. Northern Light suplex bridge pin for two. It's, it, 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 yeah, she's just really just so. Sharp. She's so sharp. Yeah. Like, when she puts herself into the move, it's, like, beautifully executed. Yeah. Um, she then uh, applies a single leg uh, Boston Crab, and the crowd's really strongly reacting. And Rio drags Britt right back into the center and goes deeper into the submission hold, which forces Britt to exert a lot of energy to get to the ropes and eventually break the hold. Uh, she does, but Rio wastes no time following up. She leaps to the top turnbuckle, hits Britt in the back with a double stomp. Yeah, very good follow-up. Rio then gives Britt a running double knee strike, but still only gets a 2.9, and then Britt did the 
get my arms up at one because I'm kicking out. <laughs> the mark of I'm still thinking of yeah, my... Yeah, <laughs> I'm still thinking about my moves. That internal metronome hasn't fully started Listen, yet. <laughs> it's not that hard. Leave your legs and arms where they are. Said the armchair wrestler. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Brit hits Rio with a ripcord elbow, then hits the swinging neckbreaker again, sending Rio up for the lockjaw. Brit fights to lock it in, but just before she can, Rio rolls Brit back onto her shoulders and gets the three. My champion! Excalibur points out that while Brit had the power and the tenacity, Rio won out of sheer experience and ring presence. Which is true. Yeah. And you know what? At the end, Rio and Brit shake hands, which, you know, you love to see. Sportswomanship! Oh, my god you know what the man in sportsmanship is short for human y'all like let's just everyone calm the fuck down sports sports, sports humanship doesn't roll off the tongue sportsmanship no. is perfectly acceptable sportsmanship no a great match really really yeah, fun it really um showed what brit can do and her potential as well as how good rio's chemistry is with just everybody on the card it's true yeah rio is really an outstanding performer like just, really she is just amazing and i think yeah knowing that brit is not as experienced as rio and knowing that it's probably um you know a lot of rio helping Brit improve and grow as a wrestler at this point in time it's really cool to see i, agree. I was a ve i was very um very sports entertained by this match i agree and then we get into match four jungle saurus versus the lucha brothers whoop, wonder whoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh because it's <laughs> super mario, mario. come on <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> that's fair you haven't played it in a few days it's true um, we get a really low shit budget entrance for Jurassic Express, like just the worst. Like it might as well be a parody of Jurassic Park showing a solo cup being obviously hit by like a pen or something to simulate the T-Rex <laughs> yeah. rumble thing from it, the movie. It is fucking carny shit, but we got to watch Jurassic Park after we're done I, recording. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> um, but it's Markle stunt. But it's Marco Stunt Marco? and Jungle Jack Perry because Luchasaurus had a non-contact thigh injury i guess that means like he rammed a door into his foot yeah like, like non-contact with what yeah so i maybe it's like not not work related with staff infection i don't know anyway maybe. yeah Whatever. um but the lucha bros come out dressed as black and gold samurai demons yeah, i am so living cool. uh penta is so over with callie and i don't we just love him we do and i was gonna do my lucha bros deep dive uh today uh but it will be coming soon promises yeah every time they come out it's everything in me not to show Callie the live performance of their song which may be the best musical performance that any wrestling show ever I'm, I cannot wait I love music yeah. and we're gonna see it eventually yes. so I'm just gonna need some space to dance in your living room 100%. for that episode yes we gotta make sure we know which one it is so I can move the coffee table <laughs> um during the commercial obligation before the match started Jurassic Express Jurassic Express talked to private party in the crowd, using some of their beer to wash their armpits. Ooh. Poor, poor Anna J, <laughs> girlfriend of Jungle Boy. Yeah, hot girlfriend. Um, hot girlfriend of Jungle Boy. Marco grabs the mic and says, Escuchamen! Before oh. Penta grabs the mic and demands Luchasaurus. Yeah, we have the jungle. Where's the saurus? We have the jungle. Penta calls Marco, Baby Saurus? Yeah, and he says what I think amounts to we won't or don't wrestle children yes, in Spanish. Yes. 
Uh, Aubrey tries to take the mic from Phoenix despite his genuinely polite request. We gave him one a minute <laughs> yeah. ago. It was a genuinely like. He was like, no, no, hold on, hold yeah. on, I'm almost there. Like a polite gesticulation of give me a second here. But Aubrey demanded that he go and wrestle that child, and the match starts. <laughs> I think because because commercial had ended. We yeah, probably. so he doesn't get a minute. The match starts here uh, with Marco and Pentagon Junior in the ring. Uh, Penta bullies Marco a bit, who responds with his Fortnite dance flossing. Oh, okay. um, I'm still not coordinated enough to do that. I just don't get how that's a dance. Well, regardless, Penta does his gloves off taunt, throwing the glove at Jungle Boy. He goes to do the Zero Miedo taunt, but then Marco stunt bites his fingers. Rule of cool number two. Children are allowed to bite fingers. It's okay. just how we First roll in all, a square circle. He's not a real child. <laughs> Oh, he is just a short man. Well, still, okay. he's a, a merman father. First of all, See, second just, of all, the Lucha Bros. The ring so... hadn't this. The bell hadn't rung yet, so I don't think this counts as a rule of cool. That hasn't the bell hadn't rung yet. I don't think so. No, yeah, they were. No, I'm pretty sure the bell had rung. Okay. Was Marco. Yeah, I thought we started with well, Marco. First of all, that is not a real child. Marco gets a tilt-a-whirl by Penta, who then throws him to Phoenix, but Marco counters Phoenix into a DDT. Yeah. Then Jungle Boy rolls in and hits the same on Penta. Uh, Jungle Boy then uses his legs to hold the middle rope open for Marco, who does a tope on Phoenix, which Jungle Boy follows up with an Asai Moonsault on Penta. Really nice. Uh, good, good coordination by both these guys. I like that they're giving... Uh, Marco a little bit of offense he's just like a tiny little bullet you can throw it dude <laughs> yeah <clears throat> Jungle Boy r rolls up Penta who instead of kicking out just pulls Jungle Boy off him by the hair <laughs> Jungle Boy then flips Marco from a package driver position into a shooting star onto Penta so that was cool. so cool yeah it was really really fucking cool flippy uh, shit Penta then pops Jungle Boy into a bandera and then rocks him with a super cake right in the face, and that kills all their momentum. Yes, and then we see Phoenix tag in. He sets Marco up on the top turnbuckle, and then Jungle Boy gets a pump kick on Phoenix, but Phoenix gets wrist control over Jungle Boy and then uses Jungle Boy to hit Marco with an enzigiri, an arm drag on Jungle Boy. Yeah, there's a double takedown maneuver it was really cool and the crowd applauds his balance his strength his accuracy i think he got a standing ovation i'm pretty here. sure yeah i wrote down that he got a standing ovation so it must be true um <laughs> <laughs> lawyers never lie marco tries to avoid penta but gets caught with a huge pump handle driver looked fucking sick he kicks at it too and both penta and the commentary are shocked he got he kicked out right honestly he fucking devastated him with that move it's true on the outside phoenix 10 takes out jungle boy rocking him against the ring steps during the fight tv break from our perfectly legal copy <laughs> marco gets gorilla pressed by penta throwing him into a waiting phoenix who kicks marco in the face upon yeah. his descent holy shit i would not take that move it was a lot and i think this is the spot where i noted that penta's like yelling at the ref like while beating on marco like <laughs> look at what you made me do to this poor little man like he's like yelling i thought it was really comical yeah. um the crowd's kind of into it too because they're chanting one more time so penta just keeps beating on marco's stunt like bloodthirsty philly yeah it's true they were like ready for yeah, it was, like ecw chance happening it's uh, <laughs> as, we be as we come back from commercial marco finally gets a chance to make a hot tag 
which I liken to someone on Hot Ones being shocked by the final sauce. Mmm, spicy. Yes. There, I think there were two hot tags made here as Phoenix is back in the ring as I well. I think you're right, yes. Uh, and then Jungle Boy hits a standing double knees on Fennec, setting him up to take Marco's flippy shit, which, Rom, you told me was a 450 splash. Yes. Uh, and then a standing shooting star. But all that still gets a two count near fall. Which I like in kayfabe is because he's so tiny. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't do enough impact. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Penta hits a destroyer on Jungle Boy for a receipt. Then he swings Marco around the ring by his hair <laughs> Cesaro style. Yeah. Um, like, not just a throw. He fucking swings He them. was a swing. You and then count them. Yeah, Penta then sets up and hits Marco with the arm breaker, which the crowd kind of went quiet for. Obviously, I was really into it because any move Penta does is fucking and exciting I, to I, me. You know, I love the arm breaker. Yeah, like it was fucking cool looking. Yeah, it actually made me want to uh, tell you about the story of Kurt Angle and Scotty Tuhati. Oh, because when Kurt Angle stopped being a joke character and turned into the wrestling machine, right? One of the things that converted him into that was he, in kayfabe, snapped shot Scotty Tuhati's leg from the ankle lock. And I remember watching it on television and thinking it was real. The way he they do it is so convincing that he just fucking oh, snaps it. Oh, so it looked like his leg was broken, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't, but the and way Because so, it, it did look like his arm was broken. Right, yeah. So it looked like Marco's arm was fucking shattered by, the, by that arm breaker, and that reminded me of that Scott. Every time I see something like that on a smaller dude, yeah. I think of Kurt Angle and Scotty Tuhati. I'll show you that one day. It looks so gross. It's so safe, but man. <laughs> but it's dramatic. Yeah, because Scotty was injured, so they had to write him off. Oh, fair enough. Finally, they hit Marco with a package pile driver for three, absolutely destroying him. And yeah, and I think the end of this match kind of felt like the Kurt Angle thing. Like, I think the crowd was really hot for this right before Marco gets his arm broken. And as soon as that happens, I think that was over the sympathy line. Yeah. Where they're like, all right, come on, we know he's small. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> yeah. And it was a little bit of the Lucha Bros beating on the little guy. You know, they weren't really attempting to make pinfalls or wrestle at a certain point, but just beat on him. And it was like kind of a heel move, which yeah. I think that's part of why I wanted to save my Lucha Bros sure. deep dive. Cause so like, for not the arm breaking? Yeah, like I, was exci- like I was not as excited for this like quasi-squash match. Um, when I know how exciting and creative the Lucha Brothers can be, uh, and I want to be inspired by that. But, anyways, it was. I think it was a. It was an all right match, and some there was like some comical spots. Um, I think there's some really good spots. Yeah, I think it showed uh, uh, all of what Marco can do, but it did show what Marco can do. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and like how devastating Penta is. And yeah, without making Jungle Boy look weak. Yes. On to match five of the evening. Yeah. We have. Moxley and Peck versus Hangman and God. God. Uh, Peck comes out to new music, which kind of sounded like an evil version of like Neville's WWE theme. It's got kind of an angry clown energy to it. Yeah. It's it's a little close to the Jay White song, actually. Okay. This may also be a commercial obligation. So is this his, is this his official music? It was his music because it was his, his Tron. Oh, okay. Too. Yeah. Um, as commentary talk about how Pac doesn't like Moxley, we cut to a shot of Pac looking at the ramp disgustedly. <laughs> Which for me in kayfabe totally tracks um, as Pac being an angry and scary and powerful wrestler. We have the storytelling from him on commentary previous um, 
last pre- week. Yeah, previous was it last week or the week before? It was I last week. Last week. Um, Moxley's debut. Right, right, right. And like, and his submission wins we've seen so far, so it's really painting <clears throat> the story for yes, me. Yes, yeah, he does really exude the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, Moxley then comes out next. And the crowd fucking love him. And, it explodes. <laughs> and Pac fucking hates yes, him. It's so funny. In a moment that I found most oh hysterical. God. This is the most you thing. I know. I completely related to John Moxley in this moment. Moxley tries to give Pac a high five. Pac is all no. This is like no sells it. Or Mox goes down low? No. No? On the sly? No. No. So this is like a great storytelling for the match, in my opinion. Moxley's trying to make the best of them, being tag partners, trying to make light of it all, uh, while Pac is just not having it. But still, they have to find a way of work to work together. I'm here for the buddy comedy of it yeah, all. That's not going to last very long, the comedy <laughs> well, part anyway. For now, I'm um, optimistic. <clears throat> Hangman then comes out without knee pads, which somehow makes him seem more naked than if he had no clothes on at all. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when JBL would come out in the 90s with like a black hat and black trunks which, where the hat would make him seem more naked than if he didn't have it. Yeah, it just throws it just throws it off because yeah. it's like not what you're expecting. God enters <laughs> as he makes his way down to his ramp. Oh god. Moxley is in the ring just salivating to get his hands on Kenny. He's just like taunting him, giving yeah. him the like rock finger taunt. And the crowd chants happy birthday, happy birthday Yeah, at Kenny. At Kenny, which is hilarious. Wrestling fans are so thoughtful and Nice. It's true, especially in Philly. Oh Just my the god! Most loving people, right? Um, as the ref tries to get everyone in their corners, Kenny and Hangman keep trying to get at their opponents. They are so pissed. Yeah, this is totally a herding cats moment for the ref. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Pack tries to get in front of Mox to beak at Kenny and Hangman, which causes Mox to turn his back and argue with Pac. And during this, uh, and this gives the elite an opening to blindside both of them beating them around the outside of the ring. Yeah, and the bell finally goes, and Mox and Kenny start the match, trading shots from corner to corner. Mox counters an Irish whip into a lariat, followed by some mounted punches. Hangman runs in with a hard kick to Mox's face into the corner, which allows Pac to get a blind tag. And Pac sends Hangman to the outside and then focuses attention onto Kenny. Yeah, Hangman's heat, uh, Hangman's anger gets him uh, into a little trouble after the kick, right? Pac gets Irish whipped into the corner, but backflips off it and over Kenny, and Kenny kicks him back and nails a Kataro Crusher. Beautiful Kataro Crusher. Mox distracts Kenny, which gives Pac a chance to muscle him into the corner and then get a tag. And we see, again, this ongoing storytelling of the uneasy alliance between Pac yeah. and Moxley. Pac is paranoid and distrusting, and Moxley is chaotic and unpredictable. Like, it's not a matter of if, but when they're going to yes. turn on each other, Like, can right? they turn waited to turn in each other until the match is over right um i do love the anxiety that that adds to the match there's there's kind of an underlying sort of mystery of what's going to happen between these two guys Um, and also how terrifying would it be if they were on the same page yeah is should pack join the bcc i mean yes actually (laughs) if he could (laughs) play well with others book it (laughs) mox hits kenny with the kitchen sink one of the moves that i always used in no mercy on the n64 (laughs) Um, I like JR bringing up that Mox isn't wrestling the rhythm JR is used to seeing from mm. him, um, which is a very sly way of JR being like, this is not Dean Ambrose. Right. That's the commentary. There's no ketchup way. and mustard here, ladies and right, gentlemen. Right, right, yeah. And then. No uh, JR's barbecue sauce. <laughs> Stop it. I'm not hungry right now. But I'm getting, <laughs> getting there. Getting there. Come on. Two more matches. Let's go. <laughs> well, Hangman finally gets the hot tag. 
which I likened to a crowd watching someone do a hot chip challenge in that they really only pop at the end of the sequence. What? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Hangman Page goes up for a moonsault to the outside, but gets distracted by Pack and then tossed onto the apron back first by Moxley. Just a really painful bump to watch. Again, those apron uh, bumps are always so bad. Hangman does recover, though, uh, and he hits a crossbody on Pack outside of the ring. He goes for a similar move and a pinfall attempt on Moxley inside of the ring, but yeah, two there's, count. <clears throat> there's a lot of electricity between these four wrestlers. Yeah, all these guys have like a presence and energy uh, that so far is above everyone else that we've seen yes, tonight. including it's Cody. Super energetic. Excalibur brings up how the styles of Pack and Mox complement each other. Pack all technique, very refined, yeah. and Moxie's just like brute force brawler. And I think you kind of brought like agreed that. I think we honestly both agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I'm really entertained by them as tag partners right now. Totally, it's really really yeah. good to watch. Again, like if they were on the same page, it'd be very fascinating. Um, Mox ducks a buckshot lariat. Then he tries one of his own, but misses and gets hit with Hangman's discus lariat. And JR says, you could feel that one all the way from Virginia. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry, Virginia. Uh, Tony points out that Hangman's lariat was high on the neck and shoulders of Mox, which means more muscle contact, more power, more knockdown Okay. Nice, Nice little analysis there. Perfect. And then Moxley puts Hangman Page into a texas clover leaf which to me at first looked really similar to a figure four submission because of the way Heyman's mm. legs were configured uh but once you pointed out that moxley had his arm instead of his leg between yeah. hangman's legs i noticed the differences between the two submission holds so admittedly i didn't know that before i felt like i learned something about submission holds today totally. Pack and Kenny then individually get their tags, trading strikes at each other and kicks before Omega hits the you cannot escape mm-hmm. for an exciting two count. Mm-hmm. Kenny calls for the one-winged angel, but then Mox runs in, which Kenny ducks, hitting a snapdragon suplex on him, then one on Pack, then Mox again, then Pac Just again. a series of beautiful suplexes. Yeah. Pac rolls out of the ring on the last one, and then Kenny sets up for the rise of the Terminator, nailing Pac with a top rope con Hila with a top rope. Nailing Pac with a tope con Hilo. Yeah, and the crowd chants for Kenny as Mox hits a tope of his own. Uh, he hits Kenny and Pac onto yeah, the ramp. interesting little touch there. Yes, but not to be outdone, Hangman hits his top rope outside Asai Moonsaults, which the the specifics of the yes. moonsault I learned from you, um, into the three of them. And the, th- the crowd starts to chant AEW, rightfully so. Absolutely. Uh, Kenny and Hangers then hit an amazing sequence of offense together. There's a buckle bomb, an elbow strike, a power bomb, and then Hangman finishes with a standing shooting star, but Moxley breaks up the pin before they can get the three. Hangman then hits a massive sidewalk slam on Mox, who then gets dropped by Kenny's V-trigger right in the chin, but then Mm -hmm. Kenny gets downed by Pac's springboard cutter. This match is getting heated, and the crowd is chanting AEW ceaselessly. Yes, and at this point I wrote, holy fuck, this is chaotic in my notes. (laughs) Absolutely. As the smoke clears, we get Mox and Kenny in the ring, and the booyah strikes begin. Mm -hmm. Hockey fight, chop, eye poke by Mox, knee lift, then V-trigger by Kenny, but then he gets turned inside out by a Moxley lariat, and at that point, I remembered what Tony said about the high angle, f- full contact lariat. Mm. Very interesting. I didn't realize there was a technique to that other than just hit him really hard. Right. 
Both men roll to opposite ends of the ring and pull out their weapons from under the apron. Barbed wire bat for Moxley <laughs> and barbed wire broom for the cleaner. Yeah, and I love that the ref just runs away like, fuck this, throwing his hands in the air. Yeah, because, you know, what else can you do yeah, other than right. disqualify them? Right, right. The cleaner swings, misses. Mox has Kenny where he wants him and hits Kenny on the with the butt end of the baseball bat. Rule of cool alert. What number are we on? I think two. this is three. I think it's two. I think it's three. But Who then this? Pac, okay. Lawful Evil comes in. <laughs> tosses evil. out the weapons. He They can't win a match that way. And Lawful Pac knows evil. that. That's really funny. Yeah. And then the funny part is Bryce, the ref, he runs back into the ring to agree with <laughs> yeah, Pac. Like, like, right, right. I have backup now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pac, Pac, disqualify him, man. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, Pac can do this that. This isn't though. a street fight. I can't disqualify him. Oh my god. <laughs> Mox hears Pac's reasonable request and continues the match. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Of course, Mox DDPs Pac and then fucking leaves. Just walks out, fucking up the <laughs> ramp. Goodbye. <laughs> Pac gets hit with a V trigger, the dead eye, and then takes the loss. His first loss. As Hangman yeah. and Kenny pick up their first wins as a tag it's team. It's a tag loss. But it's still, he got pinned. He did get pinned. It's his first pin. He did get pinned. I like that throughout the match, the commentary point out how Kenny and Hangers are the least likely duo from the Elite to be a tag team. Because mm-hmm. in the Elite, like, they're the guys who have the least in common. Yeah, and so, like, the, <clears throat> the unlikely duo of the Elite gets a win over, yeah. like, the duo that we all knew <clears throat> was doomed to fail. It was, like, an if-not-if-but-when situation between yeah. Pac and, and Moxley. So... Um, and then, yeah, Mox. Mox is chaotic evil. That was really, yeah. Chaotic evil versus lawful. <laughs> evil. Lawful neutral. No, he's... <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Pac is evil. What do you mean? He's a heel through um, and through. It's also here that I realized I think Pac had his eardrum burst because there's blood on his ear. Really? Oh, yeah, no, cause... you pointed it. No, no, I remember. You pointed no, out. It was the... It, it was the bar. When he threw the barbed wire bat away, he cut his hand. Yeah, he cut his yes. hand on the barbed wire and then he, like... Yeah, because he pulled away from his ear. He was, like, wiping the sweat yes, away. And yes. then there was, like, blood on his hand. But the blood on his hand, you can see before the match ends, after he Throws grabs the, the barbed away. wire weapons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was either the bat or the broom. Uh, choose your weapon. What would you pick? <laughs> a, bat, a bat or a broom? Um, Honestly, I feel like the broom would do more barbed wire damage. But the bat would just hurt like a motherfucker. Like, yeah. a bat seems like it doesn't need the barbed wire. <laughs> I feel like, like I if have you hit better... somebody in the face with a bar with like a metal bat, I don't think the barbed wire is gonna fucking. It was probably a wooden bat. I'm just saying. I would totally pick that. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Is the bat gimmicked? <laughs> That's the. Yeah, has it quirked? <laughs> yeah. Um, and now we are on the main event. Yeah. Match six: Jericho Le Champion versus Doggy Allen. Doggy Allen. Doggy Allen has come to the ring. And we got a Philadelphia street fight. ECW, 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 ECW. Rules. So many rules. <laughs> what, to the street fight? Yes, apparently. I didn't know <laughs> Philadelphia had updated their ECW rules. Well, well. I know. We, I, you for those that, who haven't you think seen that this. Philly was, you think that Philly was in on this street fight? Philly was not in on this street no, fight. No, well, no, they were not in You on do not he- hate they, on the people. They, they the city of brotherly we'll, love. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll the get, city let's... of brotherly love did not deserve that street fight. <laughs> no, and they they definitely, by the end of this match, let them know. This, I will say, before we as we get into it, this is the first, like, real problematic thing from AEW so far in terms of their booking. In our in, opinion. In our opinion. I mean, the crowd's opinion. Well, I think... Well, I think we kind of get into it. The crowd is very patient. Until they're not. Um, It's a a Philly street fight between Darby Allen and Chris Jericho, the champion. Darby comes out in a skateboard that says new champ on it. Very Mm -hmm. nice. 
Tony points out that Darby paints half his face because he considers himself half dead, whatever the hell that means. Um, I think it actually is a reference to a car accident that Darby was in where his uncle mm-hmm. was driving intoxicated and Darby almost died. Yeah, I did confirm online that it is indeed a reference okay. to that car crash he was in where his uncle, who was driving, died uh, and five-year-old Darby Allen lived. So pretty fucking dark. And as Jericho comes out as the pain maker, we go into our newest segment... Callie Mercury presents the many faces of the goat Chris Jericho part one baby the pain maker baby, baby. <laughs> I just like I just, I'm not a baby we'll we'll workshop it oh I think it's great uh, but you know Chris Jericho is of course a master of reinvention uh, he gives me heavy theater kid energy during his many moments of his wrestling career mm-hmm. thus far mm-hmm. Uh, so Jericho's Painmaker gimmick was actually his most recent pre-AEW gimmick. He debuted as the Painmaker in New Japan while he was feuding with the Rainmaker. Kazuchika Okada. Yes, exactly. You say it much better than I do. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Uh, so Jericho is quoted as saying that the Painmaker is a conception of what a serial killer would look like if he were also a professional wrestler. This is certainly meant to be, uh, I believe, one of Jericho's sort of darker characters or gimmicks. And it's appropriate that he would debut this dark serial killer character in Japan, uh, where he's known as being a vicious heel. And it plays off better as a gaijin in Japan. Exactly, exactly. And Jericho's profile on the the New Japan website shows a photo of him with his painmaker makeup and gimmick. Yeah. In 2023, the Painmaker has made appearances in the comic book medium. Really? Yes. I found an article online describing Jericho and the developer's goal to, quote, reimagine the graphic novel as an interactive world and story that extends into the cryptoverse. Oh, good. Owners of the comic will also oh, have I access the word NFT in here. to the online blockchain-based version where they can gain access to games animations, and community. For those who like the collectability of NFTs, you take this straight the Painmaker graphic release? novel... Oh, is it like, did you actually take this from a press release? There's a... It's a it's a news article. Okay, because um, there should be like a dash thing I think dash it is. at the bottom of this. I think this. it is. For those who like the collectibilities of NFTs... <laughs> no, for those who like the collectability of NFTs... The Painmaker graphic novel offers a unique limited mints. Oh, wait, hang on. Let me start this over. I'm fucking up now. Yeah, because it's so important. You get all of this. <laughs> I do. I want to. Because I'm sure we're... you have words to say here about this. You have a whole. You can rant. <laughs> Just... I left you space. I left you space to rant. Because I want to talk about NFTs. <laughs> so excited to talk about that. For those who like the collectability of NFTs, the Painmaker graphic novel offers unique, limited mints that provide expanded access to the Painmaker universe. What the fuck does any of that mean? End quote. Um, Painmaker Crypto Bro. What what is the Painmaker universe? So there's a website. I put it in our link uh, document. Okay, it's I'm not like it. I'm not making people do that. Yeah, no, we're not putting it in there. But if you wanted to, it's called thepainmakerproject.com. Uh, it's like a whole thing. It's like a digital world. I think I didn't look too that far into there's it. There's no way you 
got to be kidding. Like, who who developed? Is this Jericho's thing? So, so, so I don't. I assume this is. Like, but again, my assumption would have be been like, no, 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 no. Let me. Let, it gets just slightly better because it could possibly couldn't get worse. Jericho also imagines the Painmaker graphic novel morphing into a live action movie where the Painmaker does a face turn, and instead of himself being an intergalactic serial killer, the Painmaker hunts other serial killers. But still, despite his face turn, those homicidal urges re remain within the Painmaker. So this is complex character telling that Jericho believes Marvel and Disney are not currently doing. And who is saying that part? Jericho. Where is he Chris saying Jericho? That? No, there's a link. We can link that one if you want. That is. Um, so this it's is like all... a, he did like an ET video or um, like Entertainment Tonight. E.T. He did an interview with them, and that's where he was talking about it. So that's where I found How that from. I not know that? Yeah, he's like, he's like, do we need another Spider-Man? Like, he is fucking, he is on his own dick about the Painmaker live action. Twenty twenty three. Yes. Jericho man. I know. So, like, did you not see how bad The Rock did at this? Um, you know what? It's his baby. Let him. It's a little bit outlandish. It's definitely carny as fuck. I think he should leave it at the sea with his with his fucking. <laughs> But this is this is the pain maker. This is one of Jericho's many faces. Well, you know what? That did make me feel a lot of pain hearing about that. <laughs> well, I will say Jericho's AEW pain maker comes complete with some very questionable face paint. At least in 2019, yeah. Yeah, in 2019, it was not a steady hand tonight. Whoever did his face paint, I'm sorry, no hate. It's just not very good today. Yeah, I really needed to like let Dustin Rhodes do some touch up Legit, or something. Yes. Um, Callie calls this the battle of the makeup. Oh, I did call it that, didn't uh, I? <laughs> yes. JR promotes Jericho's shirt, which makes Excalibur chuckle, and promote Hot Topic, which is heavily on brand for the makeup <laughs> on the ring right now. Oh my god, it's so true. Okay, aside, like, the shirt's fucking badass, but the, the Hot Topic... The Hot Topic makeup <laughs> thing, man. Like... Between him and Darby, there's a fucking Sephora going on in that match. <laughs> But actually, I think Aubrey's makeup is far and away the best makeup going on right now. Sure. Darby's is a very far second place. Oh, right. I forgot I called this the Sephora Street Fight. <laughs> Terrible. I was not supposed to laugh at that, but I'm giggling at it now. Uh, but before we start, I do want to give a shout out to Philly for what we think is the first audience to start singing along to Judas yes. when Jericho comes out. And Philly would get that honor, and we love to see it. Yeah. Well, the match has started now. Shout yeah. out to Philly, thanks. Brother love. Darby shows some quickness uh, at the beginning of this match. He jumps on the apron to avoid a hit by Jericho, then buckshots over the top rope, avoiding him again before turning right back around and hitting Jericho with a tope of his own. Jericho tried to regain control with a lariat to the back of Darby's head, but Darby counters using some amazing athletics to avoid Jericho's mm. attack and hitting a Yoshi tonic bomb for a two. Mm -hmm. And at this point, commentary tells us that Darby only has four years of wrestling experience. Wow. And that Jericho has been wrestling for 27 years, which is five years longer than Darby has been alive. That so, is, wow. yeah, you can do the math on that. Um, and of course, your little baby, that Darby Allen. <laughs> he is doing a little coffin drop. Doing a little coffin drop. <laughs> But of course, Do you Jericho, have a little coffin drop I could have. Papa Jericho gets control by forcing Darby into the ring post and out of the ring for the commercial obligation. Then Jericho chokes him by monkey flipping his throat onto the barricade, brutal. and it looked brutal. Yeah, and Darby is really selling the agony of it all. 
Uh, and of course, Jericho celebrates by ringing the bell, to which the timekeeper's mm -hmm. like, well, that's only for stopping the post-match brawls, yeah, you bro. know? Know the rules, I man. Can't, we can't do anything with this. Yeah. Um, continuing during the obligation, Jericho starts with the plunder. Pulling out a kendo stick, Sheeta takes umbrage. <laughs> of course. Um, as we come back from break, Jericho calls Jericho the crazy man with the kendo stick. <laughs> Other than the kendo stick, though, this is more of a brawl than a street fight. Honestly, I forgot it was a street fight for a second there. Yeah, and so does the ref. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darby hits a crucifix pin for two and takes hold of the same kendo stick, hitting Jericho a few times and then going into some cool flippy shit. As if hearing our complaints... Darby plants Jericho in the face with the kendo stick and then applies a Fujiwara armbar. Uh, Hardcore. In, yeah. <laughs> ECW. In a really odd spot, in a really odd spot, Darby gets put in the walls of Jericho and then when he goes for the ropes, Aubrey starts counting in a street fight. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where you and I yeah. started deciding, okay, maybe this is a growing pain episode. Yes. Um, because not only does that happen, JR then fucking excuses it as if not remembering what kind of match it is, going, well, it's complicated because in a street fight, you have to adhere to the safety of the ropes. Yeah, and for a the second. fuck you do? Yeah, and for a second, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right, the ropes. But the as, we as we talked about it, the consequence of not breaking the hold past the five count once the opponent gets to the ropes is that the wrestler be disqualified. So there's really no other consequence that would make sense yeah. here. Ag again, AEW's refing is so confused here, often to the point where it changes the match rules mid-match yeah. like they're Hulk Hogan. That's exactly right, brother. And what <laughs> I believe would make more sense from a storytelling perspective, perhaps, is that the AEW refing is par for the course, as we're used to. But when Aubrey starts to make the count, Jericho doesn't have to break yeah. the hold after the five count. He can't be disqualified. And it would be such a heel move to make Darby stay in the hold for like eight or nine seconds even after grabbing the ropes. Like the psychology of your opponent expecting the hold to be broken at five and then it not being broken. Because yeah. surprise, bitch, this is no DQ. Uh, it just really would have sold the Philly street fight for me. Yeah. And, and like as you and I are trying to figure out what's happening here. Jericho gets a code breaker and a pinfall where Darby grabs the ropes to break the pin. <laughs> what the fuck? Excalibur stumbles on explaining this since, again, street fight. And JR says, well, that's how you take advantage of the rules. The structure of the rules has to be the same for both men. Okay, so then is this not a DQ? So what you're saying yeah. is, well, the ref fucked it up once, so she's got to fuck it up twice. Yeah, it's so weird. Okay, JR, that's nice. But what are the rules exactly? Mm -hmm. Jericho starts wailing on Darby with a chair. Well, no DQ. <laughs> And I'm wondering why he doesn't just grab the ropes for safety. Insert the helmet, bro. It's at this point that I remember this is a title match. I forgot that too. I forgot this was a title match. And all I can think about is how fucked up the rules are. Yeah, and then we get another Walls of Jericho, and again, he grabs the ropes. And at this point, I yes. think the crowd is equally fucking pissed because they start chanting, It's a street, street fight. fight. And Jericho is like, oh, right, a street fight. I got this. Yeah. And then he ties Darby's hands behind his Try back. Try reaching for the ropes now, bitch. Yeah. Now the ref can't help. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Impressively, though, Darby hits a springboard moonsault, standing dropkick, and a tobe that was actually genuinely suicidal. Legit. That was actually a tobe this, suicida. Uh, this actually really popped you when he just started doing yeah. these moves. I don't think you expected him. Okay. I really help. didn't expect the tobe because you're like flying headfirst literally into the ground yeah. without your hands to stop you and protect your makeup <laughs> <laughs> no uh, i think you really have to trust your wrestling partner i 100 
to be honest, they're they're so lucky Philly is willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because this crowd mm-hmm. can and has historically been fucking vicious. And the fact that all they got was a is the street fight chant is like so kind. Yes, that's true. Um, Jericho pulls out Darby's skateboard and Kelly says something incredibly Canadian that he should truck fuck that skid. <laughs> I did say that, man. Hey, I'm please. Fo- please give me the scientific former, definition of former a truck skid fuck. kid here. For the record, I don't condone truck fucking the skids, but a truck is part of a skateboard, right? It's what okay. holds the wheels on. And you shove it right up their ass. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's more of a just beat them with the hard part of the skate because that's the metal part of a skateboard, right? It's gonna hurt the most. Sure, I suppose. So truck fuck that skid, bitch. Um, oh, but I don't condone. Actually, I do. It's a fucking wrestling fuck match. That <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, go and truck fuck him. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, truck fuck that. Yeah, kid. no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, truck, truck fuck that skid, yeah. No, yeah, no. How you doing now? Uh, Darby manages to get Jericho down, setting up for the coffin drop. Your coffin drop. Coffin drop. But out of nowhere, Hager fucking punches Darby's dick still, giving Jericho the chance to lock the walls, and the ref has to call it off as Darby can't tap. The inner circle comes down to give Jericho a bubbly bath as JR wishes us a good evening. Yeah, like I've never been to Philly, but if there's someone who has been or is from Philly listening, confirm this shit for me. Like this is not a fucking street might. I wanted more brutality for a no DQ match, which doesn't necessarily mean like blood or blading or anything, but like maybe more creative use though, of weapons. Yeah, of all the matches to have bleeding in this. Yeah, show. like there was no, there was none of that. And that's not necessarily what I expect. You know me, I'm not even, I don't like the crimson mask shit, sure. but I like, you know, creative use of weapons, improvised improvised attacks like what are we doing here people this was uh, yeah. fucking sesame street fight i agree i completely agree i don't think it really i do think it showed off darby but it didn't feel like a title match it felt like no. an exhibition match with some weapons in it it felt like like yeah i don't know and like it wasn't enough but it also what it had was so like yeah like honestly of all weapons for like the fucking... a 14a program like even wwe relies on the kendo stick yeah like, like pack and moxley um versus uh, yeah versus kenny and hangman should have been the main event yeah absolutely well no i don't know no i don't agree with that the title should always be the main event in my opinion okay like, well that, then this it should the, have been a philadelphia match, yeah. street fight i agree it should have been a i don't know it should have been something it, it or like, it could have been more brutal and, and honestly especially what we know darby for now like it seems so tame Everything about this match was a miss. But even in the the triple threat match that we saw Darby in on one of the early pay-per-views, that was fucking hardcore, man. I agree. Darby was the table. I didn't even like that match, but I agree. Yeah, that was Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janela, and Darby Allen was the standout, and that was a fucking hardcore match. This is peanuts. I agree. 100%. So. I'm sorry, Philly, that you had to deal with that. We, yeah. you guys were very patient, and yeah, I honestly, think you guys they, were a great they crowd. They were so kind. That one chant, I was so shocked. Yeah. Because, like, that's, a, like, to me, the refing is, uh, like, forget the limpness of this match. I agree with that. But, like, the refing is my problem. That completely took me out of the match. The moment he grabbed for those ropes and she, she forced him to break it, I was out Honestly, of the match. Honestly, but she didn't have, that's the thing, is, like, I think it would have been much more compelling and much more heelish epically heelish for him to not break it because well, he doesn't have to because it's a no dq that's where i'm wondering where this where the miscommunication was yeah did they book it to be a, like did they book that as part of the match going in and forget or was that something that the ref just did on instinct like it was did confusing. jericho do it on instinct? yeah i don't know
your what was your highlight though? Of the match or the, of, or the, the, show? of the show. My highlight of the show, um, I actually think my highlight of the show was the uh, missed high five attempts by Hangman by Mox and Pack. <laughs> I do think that is my favorite match of the night. That's my favorite um, match of the night. Too, but yeah. actually, yes, no, that's my favorite match of the night. I think it was really compelling. It had a lot of character work. It showed how well the elite can work together. How devastating all four men are and like you said all four mm-hmm. men really felt like they were in a different level as everyone else on the card yeah and it felt like there was some really good storytelling going on with that match and with all of the wrestlers yes. in that match that i that i quite enjoyed i did also like Britt baker and rio because i think there was also some good storytelling Agreed. going on there yes um and of course i i stan rio so what who was your dynamite diamond this week oh I am going to say Scorpio Sky. That's fair. All right. You can take mine. <laughs> we can agree. It's true. We can yes. share the diamond. Dime. Yes. No, I think I think of the best thing that they did this week was to show off Scorp. Yeah. I think. Of, Strong start and like poor finish to this show. A hundred percent. Yes, I, I agree. And I think that um, of everyone we've seen here this week, I think Dar- I think Scorp was the first was the only guy who was the first time we've seen him wrestle. Right. No, no. We saw him in the tag match. Yeah. But still, it, it really showed, highlighted him. I agree with you. I think if I'm to give an honorable mention, it would be Britt. Yeah, I think Britt did enough. a great job. I mean, you were impressed by that stunner that she did. Yeah, so. TKO stunner's not an easy move to make look good. Fucking yeah. Sable couldn't do it. That's fair. Um, I don't think I have an honorable mention. That's okay. <laughs> so we are going into Dynamite number four next week. I think we're only a few weeks from full gear at this point. So yeah, maybe about a month from full gear, I think. Yeah, so we still got a lot of television to go. A bit of growing pains, but overall still a really entertaining show. Um, and uh, we will be back next week. Of course, we are doing this on a bi-weekly basis. We are still committed to trying to hit that timeline, <laughs> despite last week's... We do our best. We do our best. Uh, <laughs> There's only two of us here. It's true. Um, so if Two-person operation. Yeah, if you can like and subscribe, give us a good review wherever you get your podcasts. That's really awesome. Come say hi to us on Twitter, on Reddit. We are on some Discords yes. servers. What is our Twitter handle? Wanna watch AEW? And uh, you can find a you can email us at wanna watch AEW at gmail.com if you want to send us some uh, critiques or opinions or factoids that uh, Callie might find interesting to insert into uh. her deep dive yeah give me give me things that you think she should watch give me from, things things to look into yeah, and just waste an cool afternoon lucha underground matches that penta was in fuck yeah um, fuck yeah email us at ww at wanna watch aew at gmail.com um and if you want to throw us a buck or five you can a find toonie or two a toonie or two a if you want to truck fuck our skids then you can uh, find our patreon Want to watch AEW on there, but otherwise your listenership is all that we want from you. It is the best thing to know that we are actually getting heard by people and who actually like us. So thank you so much, and we will see you guys next week. And even if you don't like us, at least you listen to us. That's true. We'll truck fuck you. <laughs> no, we won't. That's not a threat. <laughs> Just a joke, bro. Just a joke, bro. <laughs>
Alright.